Give a Burlington welcome to Alan, would you? Oh, you did, you did well. They never give me a round of applause. He's just droning on. No, it wasn't, wasn't very convincing, was it? I'm sorry. Sorry we all mention it now. How you doing? You all right? Yes, I'm good. Are you feeling relaxed? Yeah. Yeah, it will be when I've... I like your jacket, to be fair. Thank you very much. The... He's got a nice jacket, hasn't he? That's pretty smart, that is. I'm saving up for the yacht. For the... <laughs> well, let's hope the book does well. <laughs> it will need to. <laughs> um, Alan's written a book. Uh, and um, I'm a slow reader. But I've read the book, even though I'm in the slow readers group. And uh, the title is about crossing borders. And the book is uh, a really interesting adventure, and we'll get to that in a minute, because it does cross all kinds of borders. But I want to delve straight into a part of Alan's life that maybe we are less familiar with. Uh, and that once he was a young man, and uh, when he was young, when he was young and full of life, I didn't say he wasn't full of life now, but when he, when he was young, he led a church called Praise Community Church. And I'm going to ask Alan to tell us a little bit about what was the, the philosophy, the desire, the heart behind the church. Before I do that, just one thing for you to know, through a period of 15 years, someone came to Christ every two weeks. 15 years, every two weeks. I thought you'd be interested in hearing about that, because I certainly was. So tell us, what was, what was behind the whole Praise Community Church thing? And tell us some of the things that were important about its life. We would often say that uh, Acts 2, the end of Acts 2, verses 42 to 47, um, were some of the most important scriptures for us. As we looked into the scriptures, we thought, well, if the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out in the same way these days, and bear in mind this was 20th century, um, as, it, as it was in, in the days of Pentecost, then what did church look like? What, uh, what was the practical expression of kingdom-focused people who were filled with the Holy Spirit? So that Acts 2, 42, 47 became a bit of a template, really. And we would want to... In a sense, it was an experiment to see whether Acts 2, uh, 42 to 47 would still work in the late 20th century. So if you look at the elements of that, um, clearly there's a lot about devotion. And there was a real sense of, if you come to Christ, you 100% come to Christ. You have laid down everything that was, sure. and you are totally and utterly for the sake of the kingdom. And then we looked at, well, they expected miracles and they expected signs and wonders. There was an incredible sense of community. Um, there was a sense of awe of the presence of God. Worship and prayer were in the middle of that. So that's the, the way we tried to uh, measure ourselves against the expectations of the, of the church freshly filled with the Holy Spirit. And so was it a bit like that? Miracles, community, sense of wonder? I would have to say yes, in most cases, extraordinarily. Um, I would love to have seen 
more miracles. Um, I'd love to have seen more healings, love to see more people saved. But there really was quite an extraordinary um, sense of devotion to Christ and to one another, which led to miracles. I, I was yesterday, uh, I was with one of the pastors. I watched football with him. And, and uh, we, we had a long journey and we chatted away. And he'd just read the, the book and I'd mentioned about a four-year-old who one day, on a specific healing meeting, uh, was, was invited to come and pray for this quite old lady who, you know, her, her, she had one leg a little bit longer than the other, so back problems. And so he just held the shorter leg and, as a four-year-old would, said, in the name of Jesus, please make Nanny Knight's leg longer. And we all watched it grow. Mm-hmm. Now, yesterday, my esteemed friend, and who I was with yesterday, he said, well, did you know my sister was also there that day? and that she hadn't spoken, her voice had not worked for six months, wow. and she was prayed for and perfectly well after wow. that. No, I didn't remember that. <laughs> didn't go in the book, that one. Um, and, and of other, uh, somewhat, someone had a whole new heart valve, apparently, you know, medically um, verified. I, on that same day, and I just didn't remember those things at all. So, so incidental, hey? Things, well, oh my so run-of-the-mill. No, that's to do with my memory, I think, more than anything. But, you know, we, there was that sense of awe in the presence of God. And there was the sense of uh, the proclamation of the gospel that came with whatever was being manifested or demonstrated. Um, I, I remember saying to the, to, to, to the church once, guys, even if I know and look around and see that there is absolutely no one here other than those I know to be Christian, you will still find me saying something about the elements of the gospel mm. at some point during every time we meet. Huh? Why? We're all saved. Just so you know that you can bring your friends here, and they will hear that Jesus died for them on the cross, and, and that it was for you, sure. and how to come to Christ, and we will pray with you. And consequently... There was that expectation that grew, uh, and also it gave confidence to individuals to simply proclaim the gospel in their own lives. And and so help us help us bridge the gap of of the then and now. Sometimes we find ourselves, don't we, bridging the gap of culture and stuff. This is Kettering, isn't it? This is just down the road. We're not in a different part of the world. That's well, another uh, another near, moment of that. life. There and were, sometimes a lot nearer than that. Yeah, churches, absolutely. And, and one was actually in Ipswich. Yeah. Phil and Dawn here today. <coughs> Phil and Dawn were in 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 the Praise Community Little Church in Ipswich. So, so, so help us bridge that, that, that gap. What did, what did you learn there that, that makes sense to us now as we long to be a people who, who, who see more of God at work, filled with a greater sense of awe, and enjoy the outworking of that, the Lord adding to their number? Well, in one sense, I'm really conscious that the days and you know, the culture that we live in now is extraordinarily different from that of, say, the 70s and 80s. In another sense, you'd have to say, well, so that was different from the first mm. century. Sure. You know, and, and so that sense of being countercultural uh, for the sake of the kingdom of God somehow brought together with uh, a, a, 
a real desire to be significant and relevant to today's society somehow has to come together. So I think the packaging is very different there, be it, you know, whatever you would talk about, trends or social media or emphases or what is being spoken about, what, what connects with society. But I would still say that where Christ has a people devoted to him, uh, that the expectation can grow um, and, and that those same things can happen. Now, one other caveat to that really is actually, isn't it, absolutely everything about the Holy Spirit at work. Yeah. So where he chooses to, and this, the mystery of the waves of the Spirit that would work and you would see new things happen, and then others put in the same ingredients and it doesn't seem that the same. There's all of that around it as well. But the scriptures are the same. The Holy Spirit is the same. Um, so if we, if, we, if we are prepared to give ourselves to that same devotion to Christ and to one another, because it really is expressed in relationship. So, so can we can pause there? Can, can we dig a little bit more there? You talk about devotion, and, and perhaps we, the, the word commitment comes loud and clear as, 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 you, as you reflect. And, and one... Um, expression or we might say more radical expression of that devotion was the level of community. Say something about uh, uh, the the community aspect, the community life that you were chasing down. As as the church grew, about one third of the people in the church sold up and lived together. Common purse community. There wasn't much in the purse, but whatever there was, we shared. So we'd rather stay as we are. I'm not saying that's the only model. No. But out of that, and it was pretty intense at times, um, so much of these values were deeply established. And I would say, even if my lifestyle is very different now, that a lot of those values were were established then. We would meet together every night at 9 o'clock to confess our sins, to pray together, Uh, to whatever the needs were. People would start to come in and join us because they just wanted that environment. Mm. We we chose to live simply. It was was not that we were just dirt poor. We were dirt poor because we chose to be because there seemed to be greater needs than some of our community members going to work was actually to leave work and to walk one-to-one intensely with people with serious Mm. And significant needs. So we said, um, if God provides, we'll eat. And if he doesn't, we won't. And, you know, the expression, God lives at wit's end corner. And I think often we never quite get there because there's always something that props us up and makes us safe. And I'm deeply challenged by that for myself in these days. Mm. So the, the, uh, you know, the number of times, there's, there's a story I have put in the book Um, of when a a large minibus load of people came unexpectedly and we had one loaf of bread and so we cut it and we sliced it and we sliced it and we sliced it and and, and gradually this shiver goes down your spine as you realise it ain't getting any smaller and it didn't feed 5,000 but hey, Jesus had some fish as well (laughs) (laughs) that's funny (laughs) but that one loaf probably... Mm-hmm. Um, 
30, 35 people, I would think, said off it. How it happened. So there are things like that that, you know, are we near enough to, have we chosen to live near enough to Whitsend Corner to see these things happen? Let's uh, move on. We could spend a long time in that space. And uh, it's, a, it's an amazing story. Uh, it, it hit the buffers in, in quite a tragic way. And another reflection is of just listening to you talk in different contexts and is, is the way that you wrestled through the pain of some of that. Just, just for a few moments, give us a little insight into the fact that where's God when it's all falling apart? You've just talked about God being there when it's all coming together, but it's not always like that. No, it's, and I guess from those days of learning to you know, live openly, it doesn't... It doesn't cost me like it would some people. I mean, you feel incredibly vulnerable telling, you know, the world, whoever wants to read it, your, your story. Um, it hit an, a moral crisis in that I, I was like second in command eventually to this network of churches, um, for, for want of a better expression, and with a very charismatic leader who uh, had... <laughs> He had an extraordinary reputation, but was a very dynamic leader. And I think you can complete this sentence. It was a moral failure. It wasn't anything to do with finance or anything like that. But the phone call I got, you know, on the night of my second son's 14th birthday was um, the one that changed my life. It was, Alan, I think you'd better come down. He was planting church in London at the time. I'd fallen in love with another woman. So from that night, this... You imagine the intensity and the devotion and the number of people who had sold their houses and laid the proceeds at the apostles' feet. And so I had to work through that, and it took um, two years even to stabilise, really. And, and what did you learn through that desperate stripping away that you experienced? Um, I, I've said it here before, but in crises... Because I settled something early in my life, it wasn't, God, where were you? God, you've let us down. That didn't cross my mind. But, God, where do we go from Mm. here? So, same God, same faithfulness, same intimacy, even though the emotions and the circumstances are really, really different. And so, there was a sense of intimacy. I remember walking around Rutland Water. And, you know, it would take all morning, and I would weep. And I would feel incredibly lonely as things were starting to, you know, really fall apart. And imagine people who sold their houses and Mm. come into me and say, well, Alan, what are you going to do about it? Mm. You know, and helping them go through that process of, well, did you give it to God or did you give it to a person? And Mm. how can we trust God in all of this? It was pretty messy. Um, So, again, I, I talk quite openly about that in the book. And then gradually, I think, I think you... You know, you've got these stages of disaster response, you know, in my more recent life. And, you know, there's critical phases you could see working through. And there is a two to five year process for real recovery from something so intense, I think. I'm fascinated by the way you talked about the same intimacy with God, even in that broken 
disorientated place. What, what, what was the secret of that? I think most of us would say when those moments come, we, one of the things that we lose and we wish we could hold on to was this sense of intimacy with Jesus in the, in the darkness. You know, to really know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, you are with me. Sometimes we're, we're stamping our feet saying that, not really feeling it in our hearts. So just, just what, how did that work for you? question. Um, maybe it's a weakness in my character. <laughs> or maybe it's a strength. Well, it's probably both, isn't it? All these things sort of work together with the extremes. So maybe I'm blessed with a simplicity. So, so very practically, how did you keep that intimacy with God? In, well, things in the, like... The ta- walking? Yeah, exactly. Taking time out. You find mechanisms, don't you? I would write... Okay. And I would mm-hmm. find that writing was really therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And I think what, what you know, some people w- would want to, to find ways of, of, of talking to people or writing or walking or praying or kicking the cat or whatever. We're not allowed to do that, I suppose. Um, uh, but so I, I, I think different people would find different ways. Yeah. But yeah. So I, I, would, I, would, I would somehow use that brokenness to take it back to God and find that actually it was quite precious to him. Mm. Yeah. No, that's really, that's really helpful. And, and, and there is always uh, that sense of, um, in your story, of God moving you on and out of uh, broken places. And there were other broken moments and broken places that you talk mm. about very, very openly that, that for me were so refreshing to, to, to know you can be there and yet God takes you there. And, uh, and around the corner was this um, uh, tin pot organization called Samaritan's Purse that no one had ever heard of. Um, uh, and that's just a joke, by the way. And, um, and so on. And God opened up a whole new f- chapter mm. of your life and and we we read about the miraculous and we read about god doing amazing things and that's mm. a another great part of the the whole story Do you know, to, for the encouragement of those who say um, well in their 40s or early 50s i honestly thought i've had my adventures and bless the lord mm. he gives and takes away blessed be his name all he requires me to be is to be faithful mm. you know whichever row i'm sitting on mm-hmm. and and so I remember saying to someone, you know, and they teased me. That I said, oh, I'm a, I has been, but it's fine. You know, it's really fine. I, you know, the, 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 your, your public ministry or your sense of purpose or whatever, it, it's over. And I just tuck in. I came to Ipswich, worked, worked with Paul and, um, in, in, in housing because it was a job that I could find. And there were certain things that I just had to do just to normalize in some ways. So I didn't expect at all, um, that in, still in, out of another crisis and real vulnerability, God would open up a door mm. that took me, takes me to, well, I, you know, just returned from the 99th different country I've been to, uh, and being able to walk with the church in different cultures, absolute dream, absolute dream, but I'm pinching myself. Mm. And really that's the nature of this book, it's, um, you know, it, I want to see someone, I want to hear of someone coming to Christ through oh, this. Yeah. I want it to be a, a real encouragement and motivator for believers to realize that, look, if, why is it that God can take someone um, without any great education or charisma or confidence? And, 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 and I find myself on the cutting edge, forgive the pun, of 
of, of all sorts of different things over mm. all the years of my life. It has to be his mercy. Mm. You know, and so for, for all the people it's for, at my family, my grandchildren, mm. let them know about their grandfather, etc. This is worship for me. Mm. This is an expression of saying, Lord Jesus, you are absolutely wonderful. You know, I, 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 I pinch myself lifelong yeah. that you can do these things with someone so vulnerable, so insignificant, so mediocre. And we spent a lot of time rooting the story just down the road or even here. And, and that, for me, is, is some of the profoundness of it, that you've, you've seen God at work all around the world, but the place you often return to where you would meet him was Felixstowe. And that, that gives all of us hope, doesn't it? We can all make it to Felixstowe. And if you can't, I'll give you a lift. And uh, the good Lord is there to meet with us. Is that not the truth? comes into it time and time again. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's brilliant. So you, you, you're longing for people to come to faith. There's mercy on every page. I think that's why it, it, really, um, it really connects with us so that have journeyed at faith both in good times and, 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 and bad um, uh, so, in, in, just just a final kind of reflection. It's there. It's out there. What, what are you longing for? What what what's the what's the the dream in, for, for you? Not the book. What's the what, what's the what's the next season? What's the next sense of what God's calling you to? Yeah. Well, it's an interesting position. I, I'm coming to terms with calling it retirement. Um, and then, of course, you have so many believers who say, oh, well, there's no such thing as retirement in the kingdom of God. And I jolly well hope so. And I say, dot, 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 I say to them, yes, there is. It's a very, very significant time of life that one mm. needs to contend with and come to terms with and address and find kingdom through. So that's my slightly different twist on that. Um, but, you know, there are 13 different agencies that have said, how about volunteering with us or being on our board or you know consulting for us and so I'm working through that at the moment Um, but Raising Families is still really going strong and there is some interest from other agencies to take that program on so I'd love to be a facilitator of, um, of giving that into the hands of someone that can make it really grow. Great. And what do we need to know? Amazon, Kindle, all that stuff, we can do all that? Yeah. Um, all that fancy stuff? Amazon, paperback, £8. Amazon, Kindle, £3. Today, special offer, £7. <gasps> oh, I love that. Just turn that into sort of action. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's books there which you're very welcome to, and um, £7 would be gratefully received. And I pray for the impact of it. Not, not the, the numbers is great. I love to see how it's going. But um, the impact is what God's really said pray for. Wasn't that a brilliant 10 minutes? Yeah? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.